0: Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about helpful content because it's important important today to consider this type of content if you want to get ranking positions and high results for the entire website. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Kate Toon. How are you?
1: Hello! It's very early in the morning here over in Australia. So thank you for having me, Anatoly.
0: Yeah, you know what I like uh, online that uh, we have no time. For example, I can listen to your audio podcast today while training. So uh, it doesn't matter what time I have. By the way, I I love uh, the last two episodes they are awesome and by i subscribe to your podcast uh for many I, I don't remember exactly the time i think that i found your podcast on some list uh and subscribed uh of course i'm busy with many other things but sometimes i can find time to listen and that's awesome yeah guys if you listen to uh audio podcast lo- love this format you need to Follow KTune and to listen to all these episodes because she can invite awesome guests as I have today. You know, <laughs> before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about helpful content.
1: Thank you so much, Anatoly. Yes, so, um, I've been working in SEO for about I don't know 10 years, it's changed a lot over that time. I started working in big agencies here in Australia, helping big brands like Qantas and Commonwealth Bank and uh, Telstra brands over here. You probably haven't heard of it. They're big Australian brands. And then Mm -hmm. um, about 2009, I went out on my own and I was faced with the challenge of trying to rank my own website. There's quite a lot of copywriters out there. So you know, I had to put that all that I'd learned into practice. And and over time, more and more people were asking me, how do we do this SEO thing? So I launched the recipe for SEO success, um, which is a course and now a podcast and mini courses and resources. And it's a whole education hub, teaching people how to do SEO. So these days, I don't do much SEO myself, but I do teach it. And I'm really trying to help I guess those who are quite at the beginning of their journey, you know, who really need that helping hand at the beginning, you know, understanding the concepts. Um, and yeah, I've 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 had about fifteen thousand people take my courses now, so it's a lot of people, all different types. Uh, every I get different questions every time, lots of curly questions. And I guess at the heart, the reason I wanted to talk about helpful content today is, of course. Google just made the big algorithm update, Google helpful content update. Um, but I've always been an advocate for helpful content. Uh, so I feel yeah. like for me, nothing's changed. But for a lot of people, a lot has changed. So I wanted to come on and give some tips and advice.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Your experience. I love it. And, you know, well, uh, I listen to your podcast and uh, I like how you can construct uh the conversation and how you can change the tone, you know, <laughs> the, uh, I need to work with that because uh, I love to learn from others. But I like how you can change the tone of your conversation to ask questions, uh, oh, to slow you. down, to speak quickly. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, <laughs> let's talk more about SEO. Uh, can you tell uh, where to start? For example, I have big clients. uh big projects that can earn millions a lot and uh they have a lot of uh obsolete content uh, outdated content and uh i told them it's better to uh, remove because we have no time to uh, update all this content okay uh, we are going to update some content but we have no resources to update all content so it's better to choose priorities can you tell why it's important today to have uh, only updated content on websites and how Google can uh, not penalize like to diminish results for the entire website if we have some outdated content.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just lots of sites have been producing content for years and the older content is just of a poorer quality. You learn as you go, right? If you read the first blog post on my site, you'd laugh. It was terrible. Uh, So, you know, A, there's the idea that our content is improving. B, there's an idea of crawl budget that Google is only going to crawl so much content. And then C, while I do think Google, you know, isn't strict about only rewarding the newest content, I do think that as a user, if we see an article that's from like 2015 and an article from 2022, which one are you going to read? You're going to read the newer one. So I think, you know, content does become obsolete. And, you know, at that point, you need to go through the very painful and quite boring process of doing a content audit and saying, this content we're gonna kill and 301 redirect, this content we're gonna combine into some mega posts, this content we're gonna keep, but we're gonna update and this content's fine. And that can be a big job. I, recent, I did this a couple of years ago with a, a brand over here, a, a dating site called eHarmony, like an online dating site. And I think they had something like 5,000 blog posts. But really, they were only about maybe 12 topics. But they just written them and written them, the same article from different angles again and again. And we tried to cull that right back. And I think in the end, we ended up with about 600 articles, which is still a lot, but they were much richer, more involving, and more engaging, which is what this Google helpful content update is all about.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, let's talk about uh, helpful pages. Uh, For example, page about us, contact, many other pages. Can you tell how it's important? To create such pages because uh, I see when the masters uh, submit generic uh, information or, uh, for example, on page about us, uh, stock pictures, you know, photos. Uh, I am not sure that it's possible to earn trust with such pages. Can you tell more about uh, helpful pages for website?
1: Yeah. So you know. Take, putting aside blog posts, the pages on your site, obviously most people put the love into the home page, but often that looks pretty bad too, into their service pages, into their product pages and pages like about and contact and FAQs don't get the love that they they need. So, I mean, the about page, if you look at a lot of service-based businesses, it's often the second most viewed page on the site because people want to trust. People want to buy from brands that they feel that values, they have good values. They want to buy, like, if I'm going to come and work with you, Anatoly, you know, I could work with many SEOs. What is it about you that's going to make me want to work with you? It's your experience. It's your approach. It's your sense of humor. And if that doesn't come across on the about page, how do you build trust? As you said, how do you build a relationship? About pages are quite difficult because they're both about explaining who you are and why you do what you do, but also explaining why I should care about that. You know, it's a, it's a sales page. It doesn't feel like a sales page, but it yeah. most definitely is. And contact pages, I mean, my attitude is every page on your site is an opportunity to build that relationship that you talked about, that trust. So, yeah, you can have a contact page saying, our address is this, here is our form, and that's it. <laughs> Or you could have a little bit of engaging copy at the top that says, oh, i you know, we're so excited to work with you. Uh, if you want to call us anytime, you can ring us here. Want to come to the office? We'll buy you a free coffee from our favourite coffee shop down the road. Uh, and you can find us here. And here's a picture of our building in case you get lost. And there's a parking space around the corner. You know, that just, <laughs> it just, it just elevates you from everybody else um, and just brings yeah. that personality in. Yeah."
0: Yeah, I had uh, a nice discussion with uh, uh, the top manager, uh, ex-top manager of Insider, Business Insider. Yeah. And uh, he told me uh, their success uh, depends on creating, uh, you know, like excitement content mm. uh, with boring topics. You know, they yes. decided to, <laughs> to have this policy. Uh, do not create boring content at all. Uh, and when they started with small team, right now they had more than... Thousand people in many countries, uh, they sold this business like to $500 million a lot. And he told me it's important to create content that it's not boring. And yeah. if you open business content, most of them, you know, uh, it's good uh, for sleeping. You know, if you have problem with sleeping, <laughs> yeah, you can read such content and sleep well uh, the whole night. Can you tell more about your attitude to create uh not boring content that people want to read, that w- people want to consume. That it's hard to, uh, you know, for example, I have my loving author, uh, Jack London. If I read his books, I can't stop it. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, if I need to do something, if I have a lot of other things, I can avoid them because I want to read this book. Oh, Tell that. about your experience with that.
1: Oh, I love you, Anatoly. You're so fun. Um, yeah, I think. You know, I've written about some really boring topics. You know, I've written about pipes and I've written for accountants. And I, you know, I have a podcast about SEO, which to a lot of people is really boring, right? Um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, you're always talking to another human. You know, at the end of the, at the other side of the screen is another human. So it can be a quite a boring topic. But if they have, if they're, something is interesting to everybody. You know, like, like, there's a, like there's a partner out there for all of us, doesn't matter how hideous you are, someone somewhere will love you, right? Someone somewhere will love your content. And it's not about being hilariously funny or amazingly incitable. It's often just about being relatable. So, you know, you take the accountant. Um, what problems do accountants have? Oh, God, it's tax time. You've got receipts, all over the place, your clients aren't answering your calls. It's super stressful. Right? Every accountant in the world is going to go, yeah, I feel that. You know, you're writing about pipes. Well a, a plumber will know how horrible it is when you undo a pipe and all this stuff comes out. And oh my God. You know, it's that knowingness. <laughs> um, So I think often when people are writing content, they think they've got to get out facts and statistics and they've got to give, it's got to be so useful. And it's like, yes, it does have to be useful, but it also has to be fun and relatable. And I would take fun and relatable over facts and statistics every single day, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why I love uh, Apple presentations. You know, when Tim Cook can, uh, I don't know, to share a new Apple watch. By the way, I bought... uh, three apple watches after oh, this presentation <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I can tell you why uh, let me explain because you know <laughs> if i buy only one uh, pair uh my son my wife can tell me no man it's not good it's not old, so i need to buy three uh, but, uh <laughs> what i want to share about that <laughs> uh you know uh he doesn't share some features he doesn't mm-hmm. share any data how this apple watch can uh, i don't know uh, how long uh, they can work without. Yeah yeah. yeah 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 he, he just uh, shares real examples how this apple watch can help uh, some people you know yeah Sh- uh, storytelling style Advantages. I love it, you know?
1: yeah i mean this is copywriting 101 yeah mm-hmm. don't share mm-hmm. the features don't share features, share benefits. And really don't share benefits, share advantages. The old line that people use in copywriting is people don't buy drills, they buy holes. Yeah. But really they don't even buy the drill or the hole. They want to drill a hole as quickly as possible so they can get back to watching Netflix or reading Jack L- London novels. So mm-hmm. you know, you don't sell the fact that it has a three millimeter torque and, and can drill at 20, sec- 20 repetitions a second. You sell the fact that it's lightweight, easy to use and that means you're not going to get arm strain you're going to drill your hole quickly and you can get back to doing what you really want to do so that's exactly it I think too many people when they're writing try and focus on the the features which to be honest all a lot of products have the same features it's Mm -hmm. how you sell them you know the classic Anatoly sell me this pen you know (laughs) how you, you don't sell the fact that it's a black pen you try and create what you could create with this pen and I think that's it so the line I use Anatoly whenever I'm writing anything Every time I write a sentence afterwards, I say, so what? So what? Why should mm-hmm. anyone care? So, you know, the classic on an about page is we have 20 years experience. So what? Well, that means we've worked <laughs> with lots of different clients. So what? Well, that means we've dealt with every problem you're probably going to have. Okay, that's helpful. 20 years experience, I wasn't interested. Lot, you mm-hmm. know, can help me with my problems? I'm engaged. So I think you're really right there. It's benefits, not features.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, let's talk about keyword research in your podcast. You touched this topic, uh, uh on these episodes, and uh, you know, I found one interesting thing that all uh, marketers use different approaches with keyword research. Uh, I uh, spoke with uh, more than 200 experts, many well known, like Neil Patel, Rand Fishkin, Craig Campbell, and it's interesting, they have different approaches. We have no one, uh, Uh, Just, I don't know, one checklist, how to find keywords. Tell about your thoughts about keyword research. It's obsolete. How to find the right keywords? How to create the right strategy? Anything about this.
1: I love that. I've spoken to Neil, Rand, and Craig as well. They get around, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, like you, I actually find that really reassuring because you keep on thinking keyword research is hard, Right. That's just mm-hmm. not say it isn't. It? It's really difficult, and you know you're looking for this perfect keyword, and often you just don't find it. That's the truth of it. There is no perfect combination of volume and difficulty and click through rate, and you're like, I just gonna make it up. You know what I mean? And so often, what I find Anatoly is I actually really listen to my customers. I have Facebook groups. I have feedback forms, I have comment sections, and I ask them all the time, What do you want me to write about? What are you interested in? What questions do you have? And I can take the question that they have and I can put it through all the tools and I can get all the data. And often I end up with exactly the same phrase that I started with because Mm -hmm. the data, you know, obviously I'm not going to pick, you know, a head keyword like cheese. And try and rank for that. I mean, there's avoiding obviously stupid mistakes. But after that, the data, I think, can only get you so far. So for me, it's really about that customer insight and knowing your customers so well and producing content that you say, it's like the Jack London novel. When When a new one comes out or a new Apple Watch comes out, you are waiting for that. You are queuing up outside. So often what I'll do is ask my audience and then I'll say, do you want me to write about this, this or this? They say this and I say, okay, cool, I'm going to write it. Then I come back and I have a ready-made audience for that content and they all want to read it, they share it. So I do love keyword research and I can go through Mm -hmm. the steps, you know, to evaluate whether this one's better than this one. But at the end of the day, especially with content, I think taking a steer from your customer rather than some data tool can often be the, the best advice.
0: Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Because I think, you know, the era of lazy SEOs is that, you know, today, if you use just one tool, uh, just one features, you can't go ahead. But if you spend time with keyword research, because for me, you know, it's more important to to spend this time with keyword research like a few days, then uh, create content that will not provide any results because of competition, because it's irrelevant, because uh, m- many, many different things. Yeah.
1: yeah. Can yeah. you tell
0: more about uh, a buying persona? For example, if I find a list of keywords. How do I know that these keywords will sell? Uh, how do I know that these keywords will touch, uh, I don't know, my buying journey?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously now some of the tools are really great. Uh, SEM Rush, for example, shows you intent. So it shows you that this one mm-hmm. has transactional intent, this one has informational intent. Um, again, I think it's really about knowing your audience. You, you could write about anything. Of course you could. Um, and, you know, you need to be really measuring the success of previous articles, which ones hit home. And, you know, the, the way that I like to structure content is to try and have content pillars. So I talked about eHarmony mm-hmm. and about how really they only wrote about 12 topics. So writing really in-depth articles about those 12 topics and then little spin-off articles that cover other questions that are related to that topic. That's how I work it. I mean, I... D- I don't know if there's any guarantees that one piece of content is going to perform. When I spoke to Rand recently, he's like, you know, you do one thing and follow a formula and then you think, right, I'll do that again. And that'll work. Mm -hmm. And then the next time it just doesn't work the same way. And you don't know why he talked about how one piece of content had gone viral and you know, everyone was like, yeah, we've gone viral. And then it actually turned out not to be a great thing because they had loads of people signing up to their software that weren't the right target audience. So I don't know if there's a magic formula. I think there are things you can do to get it right, which is, as you mentioned, keyword research, understanding your audience, writing engaging content, repurposing that content across multiple platforms, building a pre-engaged audience. Because we know as well on social media that there's this kind of like velocity. If people like your content in the first few minutes then it will start getting shown and it builds up this momentum. So having that pre-prepared audience works really well. But other than that, I think it's just trial and error. And I don't know if I've Mm -hmm. ever seen any content producer who gets it right every, every single time. Yeah. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes they miss and there's nothing wrong with having a miss. And then just mm-hmm. quietly deleting the article and redirecting it to another one. No one needs to know. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I think failing only brings new experience and nothing else. You know, uh, for me it's hard to count how many times I failed. A lot yeah. of times, many yeah, times. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, and I stop worrying about that. I remember when I, you know, when I lost my first business in 2008 when the world crisis. Uh, came to Ukraine and uh, Ukrainian government decided to disallow all banking loans and all my business, all my investments, anything. And even uh, worse, I got debts like 3,000 average salaries in Ukraine. So I spent five years working hard to get them back. So w- a very hard time. And, you know, uh, yeah, I was worried about that. Then uh, I started to learn more about... Uh, you know, you can't change things. You can't go back. You, we have no uh, uh, any machine that can bring you back. Time so, machine?
1: No time machine.
0: Yeah. yeah, no time machine. Just, just learn from that and go ahead. Yeah, I love it. Uh, can you tell about? Failing in SEO or testing, uh, le- let's call it testing. Uh, how to test today? Because, you know, uh, uh, I can test on social media. I can p- publish uh, 10 posts and uh, understand, okay, this works, uh, 10, uh, don't work. okay, uh, let's go ahead. But in SEO, it takes time, you know, like uh, to rank, to get these positions. Sometimes you can write a great piece of content, but nobody cares. Uh, you can get backlinks, anything, but it doesn't work. Can you tell about your approach of testing in SEO?
1: I mean, I think like you, I'm, a, I'm I'm what I call an iterative tester. So, you know, I know that I probably should do more A, B testing. You know, here's mm-hmm. a headline, here's a headline, which one's going to work? I like you. I What you just said there resonates with me because what I'll often do is test out content and headlines on social media because you get mm-hmm. that immediate insight. So, you know, I'll yeah. write a post with 10 ways to do X, see how it performs, and then I'll write another post, which is essentially the same content, which is the truth about X, you know, mm-hmm. and then I'll see which one performs better. And, it, you know, maybe the 10 ways performs better. Great. That's the headline I'll use on my blog. I did a great episode with a guy called Dan Petrovic. If you haven't had him on your podcast on this show, you should get uh-huh. him. He's amazing. Lucky. He runs an agency over here called Dijan. And he does a lot mm-hmm. of A-B testing with title tags in the search results so really optimizing the SERPs and just making small tweaks to titles and metas to not even change your ranking position the ranking stays the yeah. same but can you improve the click-through rate with that single yeah. uh, single thing so he would be a great person to get on to talk more about that he is all about the data whereas i must admit Anatoly, i'm a bit like let's just see what works and if it doesn't work we'll just try <laughs> something else you know so yeah, yeah. And I'm very prolific, so it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I write very quickly. I can type like a mm-hmm. hundred words a minute. I can get content out really, really quickly. I go with. Um, I don't have, try and be perfect. It sounds like you're the same. I just get stuff done, and so I'm prolific. But I understand that small business owners, you know, maybe they only have the resources to make one post a month. And if that's the case, they really need to sit down and think, okay, what's the best headline? What's the best opener? Which image is more engaging? And what I often do is just test it out on social media first. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a great great way of doing it.
0: Nice. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I, I like spending time on social media, uh, on LinkedIn, on uh, uh, other social media, most cases, YouTube. And uh, Can you tell about improving writing skills? Uh, Because, you know, um, let me share my story. I remember like 10 years ago uh, when I opened my SEO agency in Ukraine, I had a team of copywriters, a big team of copywriters. Uh, and they wrote about anything, I just gave them keywords, uh, just uh, submit all these keywords uh, five, ten times, you know, and that worked great. Google ranked all our websites. Uh, it, by the way, I had one approach with link building. I just bought more backlinks than my competitors had. You know, that's it, you know. <gasps> you bought <laughs> that... backlinks, you
1: bought backlinks, you naughty Yeah, guy. yeah.
0: Uh, you know, at that time, I didn't know about white hat SEO or anything. I just know that I need to buy backlinks. Of course, uh, I changed all these approaches. Google helped me with that. You know, with <laughs> all these updates, you know. Uh, but uh, today, I have no team of copywriters because I have editors who can uh, edit content from um, experts who can write about uh, some specific topics. From your experience, how to find a responsible copywriter because it's a big issue with many webmasters. Uh, even, you know, I cooperate with some clients and they told me, I have no time with that. I have no time to write. I don't like it. Uh, I, I need to develop, innovate my products. But how to find these copywriters from your oh, experience?
1: Well, you can come. I have a, a database of 300 uh, amazing copywriters. you have all done my course. So that's one place you can go. Um, Look, I think, <laughs> I think often the reason people get bad content is they pay poor prices. You can't go to Fiverr and get, you know, a a thousand word article for five dollars and think it's going to be quality. You know, it's probably going to be duplicated or AI generated. Um, So you get what you pay for. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. To find a copywriter that has ethics, they're going to question your brief. They're going to question the keywords you've given them. They're going to argue with you. That shows they know what they're talking about. You know, they should be talking to you about how they want to, you know, structure the title tag and the meta description. They should be giving you three or four headline options. You know, they should be writing content that they've passed through a readability tool. I love the Hemingway app. I use mm-hmm. Hemingway app, it's a free tool online that shows you the readability level of your copy, which is a Google ranking factor, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, you want to write content that's understandable by, you know, 13-year-olds, right? You need to write content that's understood by people who uh, where English isn't their first language, you know? So, yes, you can use idiom and slang if your audience is people who get that. So I think good copywriters will bring up all these points to you. They will argue with you. They'll say, hang on, Anatoly, you want to write this piece of content, but that's going to send the wrong... This is a, you know, this is not an informational piece of content. That keyword isn't going to work. That's what you want. And I think if you get mm-hmm. a submissive, quiet copywriter who just does what they're told, then probably the content won't be so good. And also you got to you got to pay a decent price. I mean, you know, good SEO here in Australia probably would be charging 150 $150 an hour. A good 1000 word blog post here in Australia would cost about $350 ish. Yeah. the low end you know there's a big difference between five dollars on you know <laughs> upwork and yeah. and 350 dollars so you get what you pay for i think
0: yeah yeah i understand that uh mm-hmm. i remember one uh, company uh shared data and they paid six $1,000 per article, you know, with yeah, experts, great yeah. experts.
1: Yeah. If you want and... experts, and, and we know as well, Anatoly, with the whole Eat, you know, Google Medic, that Google yeah. is now rewarding content that's actually written by experts. So, you know, if you're writing about some a medical topic or a legal topic, it can't just be written by Bob. It has to be written by Professor XXX from University of blah, 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 who has published papers and whatever. You have to have that level of gravitas to write about stuff. And again, you're not going to find that on Fiverr.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, you know uh, I use Fiverr, but not for writing. Uh, I think it's a great place. Uh, I use um, it for
1: lots of fun stuff. I tell you, yeah. lots of fun video <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of great uh, designers, uh, video editors, uh, captions. And creator, good, don't get
1: yeah. me wrong. There are good. There are good writers on there. They can be hard to find. I think Fiverr can Fiverr and AI copy generators can be really good. Yeah. For, for generating bullet points talking mm-hmm. points research yeah, exactly they yeah. can be really good for doing that legwork, that boring grunt work and then you use that content to write the article but you don't i wouldn't necessarily use fiverr for the full published article i might use it for the materials if that makes sense
0: yeah totally yeah, yeah. i think the structure yeah it, it saves a lot of time you know when you structure yeah. with, AI tools. Uh, yeah, yeah, love it. Okay, let's talk about uh, link building. By the way, we can buy uh, backlinks on Fiverr as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a client. He told me, uh, you know, I can't get results for three years. I bought a million backlinks on Fiverr. I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> and I I told him, please, please show your website. I need to analyze to see this a million backlinks. <laughs> so can you tell about Link building, from your experience, uh, how to find the right strategy? Because we have a bunch of uh, backlink link building strategies. And you know, uh, the last time many experts told me they don't use link building anymore and they get high results uh, a million uh, traffic a month, you know, uh, super relevant traffic. Uh, and I check out their content and found they use, uh, they create like link worthy content, they get uh, natural links. Uh, from your experience, How do I know uh, or how to find the right strategy or not to use at all?
1: I love this question. Look, it would be lovely if we could just write link-worthy content and everyone fell in love with it and everyone linked to it without us even asking. Yeah, that's the dream. For 99% of people, that's not going to happen. Ran Fishkin, Mm -hmm. you're sorted. You're going to get that happening. But me and you, probably not, right? So I love that attitude. But I do think sometimes you can... You know, encourage it. You can choose people who might amplify your content. You know, you can make friends online. And next time Anatoly publishes a post, I'll share it. Next time I publish a post, Anatoly will share it. You can build relationships like that. Is that link yeah. building? No, it's relationship building. So I'm big yeah, on relationship really. building. But I have my own link building strategy, Anatoly. Do you want to hear it?
0: Yeah, of course, <laughs> of
1: course. <laughs> I, call it, I call it the good karma SEO strategy. So good karma, you know, good vibes. So what I do is I try to go out and do nice things for people. So what I mean by that is I spend a couple of hours every week writing testimonials for businesses I like, making testimonial videos. I also do a lot of sponsorships. I recently did an auction for the Ukraine. We raised Mm -hmm, $20,000. And, you know, I invited lots of people to donate goods. In the no. process of that, uh, you know, when you leave a testimonial, what do people do with it? They put it on their site and they link back to you. If you give someone mm-hmm. a video testimonial, what do they do with it? They put it on their site and they say, this is from Cape Toon and link back to you. You donate to a local charity they feature your logo on their donations Mm -hmm. page and link back to you. So you don't do it with the expectation of a link. You do it to be a good human. But I find that that is a really great way of building links without building links. And then the other thing I focus on is relationships. So relationships with people like you. You know, I'm going to ask you to come back onto my podcast. Then you'll get a backlink. You know, like this is all, it's kind of (laughs) being community, helping each other out, being a good person, I think that's a great way to build backlinks.
0: Yeah, love it, love it. Kate, <laughs> uh, share more about building relationships. Because, you know, I, I get, I, uh, I, for me, it's hard to count how many spam messages every single day. Uh, my spam inbox loves all these messages because uh, I don't know how many I have on this spam inbox. I need to count them. It's like uh, 10,000. Uh, but, you know, uh, I found that people sent these templates every single day. A lot mm-hmm. of them. They uh, propose guest posting, many other stuff. Uh, can you tell about building relationships? Uh, how to build uh, honest, I know, transparent relationships today?
1: Well, number one, don't use templates because you and I can spot no. them. So I probably get about 20 uh, emails a week asking to people to be on the podcast and I literally delete them immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Because I can tell they've never listened. They don't know who I am. It's just a generic email. So I, I think it starts with you know, you're on LinkedIn, you see someone, right? So I'll give you an example. I saw a post recently from a guy called James Welsh, and he'd written a great post about the Google Helpful Content Update. And I read it and I left a little comment on saying, I love this article. He then followed yeah. me on LinkedIn. And then I we had a little chat. And then I said, hey, I'd love to get you on the podcast. He came on the podcast. He was an amazing guest. We had such a laugh. And then now like we're sort of messaging on LinkedIn every day. That's a genuine relationship. We both got something out of it. Uh, but we we had no expectation. You know, you you messaged me on LinkedIn. We messaged back and forth a little bit. And it was just like, hey, you know, it wasn't like a big template. Hi, I am Anatoly, and I have done this, this, and this, and I would like to be your friend. It was just like, hey, how are you going? <laughs> you know, it, it's, be, be normal is what I, I suggest. And, you know, the, obviously, if there's someone that you're, you know, you just mentioned there that, you know, you'd had Neil Patel and Ran Fishkin, and people like that can be a bit intimidating, you know, from the outside. But most people are just really nice, I find, most no. people. And and if you don't ask, you don't get. So, you know, if you want to get a big fish like you know, Rand's, you know, just be first to comment on his posts, you know, share his content, no. make yourself known to him by being helpful to him. And then when you do come in and say, hey, would you be on my podcast? You're not a complete stranger. He's already aware of who you are. And he's like, yeah, cool. I'd love to do that, you know? And so I think it's just being normal, not using templates that you got from some stupid LinkedIn course, just being like a normal person and not being too aggressive. Like the number of people who send me requests to be on my podcast, then they send me one the next day saying, why haven't you answered? Then another, why haven't you answered? <laughs> because I never asked you to email me in the first place. You know, so be normal. Be a human, I think, is my advice.
0: I love <laughs> it. love it. You hide all my secrets, you know, on social media <laughs> <laughs> that I use all the time, you know. Yeah, it's better to engage with others because if you uh, share some valuable comments on their post, you can bring additional value. Uh, yeah. It's the way to build your audience as well, because people love reading comments. And if they get value, they want to get more value. They will follow you. So yeah, simple way and uh, with this way, you can build relationships and invite people to cohesive projects. I have a lot of cohesive projects with other marketers. So love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. uh... Okay. Let's talk about things that it's better not to do today. I mean, like uh, what webmasters should avoid because uh, it doesn't work, it's obsolete from your experience.
1: Okay, well, we've talked about buying backlinks. You know, thing is sometimes that can work for a bit. Um, So it's one of those gray hat kind of weird ones. Um, So I wouldn't be doing that. Um, I think producing content at scale and pumping it out, you know, short 400 word articles every week I just wouldn't bother. I don't think that really has any impact. I think, um, you know, having masses and masses of pages going for quantity over quality, again, doesn't work fewer pages, fewer products, higher quality. Um, And I think, You know, for me at the moment, I'm really into kind of usability and UX on the site, like making sure that, um, you know, you've got good clear fonts, nice buttons, easy, good contrast and and accessibility. So I think, you know, working towards making your site accessible for people with hearing difficulties, people with sight difficulties, people who have, you know, dyslexia and trouble reading, I think really focusing on that. So I think it's just as it always has been, Anatoly, and you and I both know this, it's not trying to trick Google. And 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 do, you know, oh, I can get away with this. It's just thinking about the customer and trying to make your site the best experience it can be. I know that sounds cheesy and very Google party line, you know, but it works. You know, my site, pretty much my copywriting site, which is now kind of obsolete, hasn't essentially changed that much since 2009. There have been how many algorithm updates since then? Hundreds. I mean, yes, I went to yeah. HTTPS. Yes, I made it responsive. But other than that, I haven't changed it. And it has never lost any ranking because I never tried to be tricksy in the first place. So I just think of the, the, anything that feels dodgy is dodgy. You know, you know, yeah. we know what's dodgy. We know. Uh, so if it feels wrong, it probably is wrong. And it may work for a short time, but then it won't work. And then, you know, getting yourself out of a hole with Google is the worst thing ever. So, yeah, don't dig a hole in the first place, I think.
0: So valuable. Yeah, it's not the time to manipulate. Uh, you, I think it's very hard to uh, cheat the system because Google is very smart. Because They're much of the smarter main... than
1: us. They're much smarter than us. Yeah. I'm sorry for the day.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I found one way. Uh, Black hat SEO will exist, uh, and uh, because uh, people still get fun. results. It's yeah.
1: fun. It's fun, and people like being evil. At the end of the day, we all like being naughty now and again. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And also, it's a game. Like, can yeah. I can I break the system? Can I, you know, get out of the matrix? And can I win against Google? What an achievement! So I think people are always going to enjoy playing that game. But your average business owner don't don't even think about it. just just do the normal stuff. That's for the bleeding edge, super smart SEOs who have some time on their hands. Not for the likes of me who just wants to yeah. get on with my day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't have time, <laughs> Holly. I don't have time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Okay, I have the question about, uh, let's imagine, you have no experience, uh, you started from scratch, you have you didn't record any podcast episodes, you uh, didn't create the course, uh, what will you do to learn more about SEO today?
1: Oh, I still think I might do a course, because there's lots of free information online and great discussions like this. But I find that I like structured learning. I like to do step one, step two, step three. I like to get that sense of achievement. So I might still do a course but I think the most important thing, which is really how I learn SEO, is to just experiment. So my site is a bit like a Petri dish, you know, like one of those Petri dishes scientists use. Yeah. I have tried I have tried everything on that site, you know, like changing all my title tags, you know, removing all images, installing AMP, removing AMP, adding schema, changing schema. I have played around with that site. I've taken some risks. The thing is, you won't know until you try it. The other thing I would say is find a few sources of truth. You know, whatever you may think of Rand or Neil or Brian Dean or Anatoly or myself or Craig Campbell or all these great people, pick a few people. Don't try and follow everybody. Because you know, Craig might have a different methodology to you. I might have a different, and it's overwhelming. So just follow one or two people, implement for a while, see what happens, and don't constantly be changing course and changing tactics. As you mentioned, sometimes it can take three to six months to see the impact of a change that you've made. And and if you make too many changes at once, you won't know what was the thing that made the difference. So I think that would be, I'd still do a course. I'd probably listen to some podcasts, but I wouldn't listen to all the podcasts. I wouldn't read all the articles. I'd find a few good sources of truth. that I really, and then we come back to it, Anatoly, who I trusted, who I feel I have a relationship with, who I feel are genuine. I'd follow those people and that would be enough for me.
0: Love it. Love it. Uh, Kate, I have uh, non SEO question. Uh, can you tell how to get the same level of energy that you have in the morning? You know, because for me it's important. You know, I need to. <laughs> yeah, I know this way. I <laughs> I also use it.
1: <laughs> I think. How do I, I mean, I look. I've been out. I've walked my dog. I love talking about this, and we feed off each other's energy. You've got your great energy. You're smiley. You know. You know what it's like, Anatoly. Some guests are a bit like. And it's harder. It's harder to, to get the energy up uh, with, with those people. Also, like you, I have probably interviewed you know, 300 people. You get better mm-hmm. at it as time goes on. And also when you love what you're talking about, when you're passionate about it, when you're enthusiastic, mm-hmm. I think it comes across. So, you know, if you want to talk well about a topic, the thing people always say is, what could you talk about for an entire hour with no preparation? And, and that's what we've done today, right? Yeah, so pick yeah. topics that you really care about and then the energy will come just as, just as you talk, I think.
0: Mm, nice tip. Yeah, and love coffee. It.
1: Lots of coffee.
0: <laughs> by the way i have no time with preparation just have no time you know i don't God know either. how to find time so yeah, yeah it's better to have such conversation
1: yeah kate, so I- it's,
0: a, it's a big pleasure uh, and by the way i know how to get the same energy guys you need to listen to kate podcast you know uh-huh. to learn from here because you can get all this energy just today <laughs> by listening to this podcast to get valuable insights from your guests, from your energy, uh, a lot of great skills. Kate, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you.
1: Well, hopefully, if you Google Kate Toon, I should be there. Like, after all of this, I should be there. (laughs) And my podcast is called The Recipe for SEO Success. But if you type SEO into iTunes, I'm generally the first podcast that comes up. Yay, me. Nice. So check it out. And we have a range of episodes for newbies, techies advanced basics, so you can pick which ones you want to listen to. And hopefully, Anatoly will be a guest very soon.
0: Nice, nice. Thank you. Of course, of course. For me, it's a big pleasure. <laughs> okay, guys, you need to follow, Kate. Okay? You, you can see a lot of available insights, uh, good energy. So, yeah, uh, I think, you know, without passion, it's hard to go ahead. Uh, thanks for listening and watching us. You can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time.